0: Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense.
1: This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Good
0: afternoon, Canada. Today's date is? September 29th, 2020, and it's Tony here in windy, 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 Saskatoon. And it's Lewis out here
1: in sunny and hot British Columbia.
0: Fantastic. Well, I wouldn't mind that. Actually, weather-wise, temperature is actually fairly nice here, but good God, the wind is gusting to 50K, so it's uh, certainly doing a job taking leaves off the trees.
1: Yeah, well, it's a prairie thing.
0: It is, yep. It's uh ah, fall is beautiful.
1: Yeah, and we're uh and we're getting well by the end of the week here we're supposed to be around twenty eight or twenty nine degrees.
0: Which is still nice and warm. So that's uh probably that's, that's probably kinda of typical Okanagan weather though, isn't it? It is very nice and warm. It's not
1: normally that warm at this time of year, but uh uh we've uh I mean the nights, like the mornings when I get up for work, they're seven or eight degrees. So it's we're uh, we're getting some pretty good temperature differentials between the evening and and uh, and daytime ice. So
0: wow, no kidding. Yeah. All right, All right, so we've got a heck of a show today. And sorry, go ahead, you were going to say something. Cut you off. Sorry. I said, "Don't we always?" Oh yes, we do. Uh, yeah, we've got. Governments that just keep on giving. So, on the show today, game on, Saskatchewan election officially kicks off today. Throne speech, and how badly did Jagmeet Singh throw Canada under the bus? With the throne speech and a new parliament, committees restart, much to the Liberal chagrin. Ontario announcing a second wave of COVID 19, and what the heck did Catherine McKenna do in 1995? Where do you want to start, my friend? Well,
1: I'm going to start with something that wasn't even on your list. Oh, um, sure. Justin Trudeau announced today that, that the Canadian government is going to be sending $400 million for, to fight COVID-19 to uh, foreign countries.
0: Because we've already beaten the virus in Canada, it's considered dead, and we don't need the money here. Apparently, oh wait, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's ridiculous. We've uh, we've, we've already crested four hundred billion dollars as a deficit this year, and you want to throw almost half a billion out of the country to fight COVID nineteen when we've got cases spiking big time in canada's two most populous provinces i'm just I, i'm actually i i was gonna say i'm at a loss for words but i'm not i'm actually pretty pissed off about that um i just you know got that brought to my attention when you sent me the article but for crying out loud i mean we've got problems of our own to take care of and i mean i have no problem helping out those in need because that's the canadian way but we've got our own people in need here and we've got crippling debt like this moron in charge just really doesn't get it.
1: No, and but I mean, you know why? I mean, he's subscribing to the UN and globalist uh, policy book. I mean, he's he's already going with the building back better which is the same thing Joe Biden is running on and and many other left-wing politicians around the world are are quoting these days, which when you Google it, you find out it's actually a UN uh, uh, document that is all about how to recover after a uh, crisis. And, and But recovering with a lot more socialism, a lot more taxes, a lot more, air quotes, fairness. And, uh, and, and it's a UN doctrine that they're subscribing to. And, and, I mean, Justin Trudeau has been subscribing to globalist and post-national uh, neo-Marxist ideas for a long time. I mean, so much so that you can't even tell the difference between them and the NDP anymore.
0: No, that's true. I mean, even when he first became prime minister in 2015, he very quickly announced that Canada was a post-national state. and With no core identity. And with no core identity. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he's been been on this road ever since he's been in power. And so I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I am – and maybe I'm not, but I am certainly – Really, really ticked,
1: oh, yeah, and I mean, you know you know who Michelle Simpson is, right? I do, yeah, former liberal MP
0: and she used to be a seatmate of Justin Trudeaus that's right, she
1: was Justin Trudeau's seatmate in the House of Commons when they sat in opposition, and she has publicly stated on more than one occasion that Justin Trudeau would come to the House of Commons and not even know what they were voting on that day he would bring articles and magazine covers and everything that featured him to show her and <laughs> and other and other MPs like th- like and she she makes no bones about it like she said he does not she doesn't think that he ever really wanted to be prime minister he just he just but he can't resist the the accolades and the uh, attention
0: well he is a narcissist there's no question about that and it's it's very obvious he knows nothing about finances and he doesn't know anything so, about anything no really he doesn't I mean you nailed this years ago when you uh, first did in probably our first or second show that Justin Trudeau is dumb and he shows it daily yeah no I know it, it's and he keeps proving
1: me right all the time and I... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, that he does. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move into, well, more examples of how dumb Justin Trudeau is. We had a throne speech on uh, Wednesday of last week, the 23rd, and this throne speech, while I'd ranted about it on Wednesday, it did outline what a normal throne speech would outline, but even the left-wing media actually rolled their eyes at it, and I was... So impressed to hear even people like Susan Delacourt from the Toronto Red Star saying that, you know, really he could have just said this at a regular session of Parliament. He could have said this at a news conference. Well and you know, I thought, you know, wow. Yeah, and that's
1: because he, he all he basically did was rehash his 2019 uh campaign uh book. I mean, there's really nothing new in there. And and no, the, I mean, yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is that they claimed they needed to, to uh, prorogue parliament because they had revolutionary ideas to bring forth in the, in the, in the thro- uh, speech from the throne. So where the hell were they?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, pharmacare is something that they've been bringing up since, gosh, the turn of this last century. And it's never been done. And I don't think they actually mentioned anything about the paid sick leave, but Jaymeet Singh was certainly uh, getting on the case about that after the throne speech, and we'll we'll talk about that in our next segment. Yeah. So you're right; there really was there was nothing revolutionary, there was nothing earth shattering that made all of us go oh. So that's well, what, there was there what was, was nothing
1: there was nothing new in there. I mean, the fact that it completely ignored Western Canada didn't even surprise me. I mean, and and the 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 one thing that that p- did piss me off was them saying that farmers had to be have to, had to be partners in moving away from fossil
0: fuels. Like oh yes, and that, and that was why? the mention of How Western does Canada. That even mean oh, well, it also said that oh, and we we expect British Columbia, Alberta, and Newfoundland to uh to take part to take part in the transition away from fossil fuels. And I was like, um, the energy industry probably isn't interested in developing your green economy, moron. No. And it, and, it, and, and
1: really I, I mean, economic recovery in this country cannot happen without the oil and gas industry and the natural resource industry. It just can't happen. It's not even possible. And this has been, uh, re- has been uh, stated by numerous people, uh, 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 economists and uh, people who who deal with with economies and uh, and with monetary systems and everything they know, we know, everybody except Justin seems to know that you cannot have a Canadian economic recovery without natural resource sector playing a massive part in it.
0: Oh exactly and I I've, I've heard I think the latest one I heard talking about that was David Aiken or it might have been Brian Lilly but uh, anyway just stating that you know you need the energy industry because the en- energy industry and the resource extraction industries were what were the backbone of pulling Canada through the last recession in 2008 2009 yeah and and I mean and this isn't this isn't <coughs> just
1: a western canadian speaking here i mean even Quebecers, according to a, a poll that was released this past week, uh, even the majority of Quebecers want to source their oil and gas from Western Canada.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is totally a Canadian issue. I mean, I realize that both of us live in Western Canada, but, I mean, we are first and foremost Canadians, and it just makes sense. There was a lady who was... a. Uh, I believe she was on the Roy Green show from the Coalition of Canadian Manufacturers. And she was even saying that, you know, this is a Canadian issue because, you know, a quarter of the businesses in the manufacturing sector in Ontario service resources, service mining, service oil and gas, all these industries that Justin Trudeau wants to kill. So really he's killing the manufacturing sector with his attack on oil and gas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's he—he he wants to kill the
1: industry. We know that he's been—he's been saying it since the 2015 election.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He wishes he could phase out the oil sands tomorrow. Yeah, I mean that. Those are his actual words. Yeah. So yeah, there's no question. He he hates oil and gas, and as I said in my rant, I mean by extension, he hates you, and by you, I mean you, Canada, listening to this show. Yeah, and, I mean, he –
1: Justin Trudeau has a a general disdain for Canadians as a whole, and Western Canadian, Canadians especially.
0: Well, he does, yeah. And, uh, and it shows. I mean, he does his best to to diss the West. He likes British Columbia because he likes to go to Whistler and, and ski or snowboard. He likes to go to Tofino to, to go surfing. So, I mean, he's got a, a, at least a a little bit of love for British Columbia, but I think if he could just choose to ignore Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Northern Ontario, he'd be more than happy.
1: Well, yeah, but loving BC is not the same thing as loving BCers. It's like BC, who doesn't love BC? BC is amazing. I live here. It's one of the greatest places in the world, but true, but even I don't really care for the peop for a big chunk of the people that live here because they're not not in the uh rural communities or or outside of the lower mainland but the lower mainland like they they are there's a lot of wackos down there man who who are very uh anti oil and anti gas and anti logging and anti hunting they're they're just anti everything but yet, if all that stuff went away, they would be the first ones to starve to death.
0: Well, yes, that's true, and I guess I should make a a, a point of pointing out that you should love BC because you actually live in one of the most beautiful parts of BC. So <laughs>
1: I do, I do. I'm
0: very lucky. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. I mean, he uh, he likes BC, but yeah, he probably couldn't care less for anybody. Outside of the Lower Mainland or maybe Victoria, yeah,
1: I don't know if he's ever been to the rest of BC, but uh, it's—I mean, his policies definitely show that he doesn't—he probably doesn't even think people live here. But, um, true.
0: So, all right. So we had a throne speech, and we held our hopes out that Jagmeet Singh would be the be the one to unify with the opposition, and say no to the throne speech, how did he react?
1: Uh, Not the way we were hoping, but exactly the way we expected.
0: Exactly. Yeah, He decided he would sell us all out again, Canada, and not even for written legislation for his paid sick leave or written legislation for his pharmacare, but Again, for a reassurances, <laughs> yeah, promise that that it was going to happen. And the <laughs> main thing is going to be: well, he's already a laughingstock, but he's when his footnote in political history is is determined, it's going to be with with the uh, you know the emoji of someone shaking their head slowly,
1: or a giant palm to the forehead. I mean, he. <laughs> The thing that the thing that really irritates me about this guy is that he had a chance to differentiate himself and his party from the liberals, and he didn't. And he he had an opportunity to take to to you know claim the moral high ground and he didn't take it. And because of that, because and this was pointed out uh this was pointed out by a, a pundit that I was listening to and and they said, you know, every time, and we talked about this actually on the show, I think we mentioned it last week, that every time the, the NDP uh, prop up the liberal uh, a liberal government, because it's always a liberal government they prop up, it never goes well for them in the next election. And that's because the liberals keep taking their platform. And so there's really no difference between them, but. Everybody who votes NDP knows that the federal NDP party is never going to form government. So if the Liberals are are saying the same things as the NDP, why would you vote NDP? Vote for the party that's going to get power. And that's what happens every single time the NDP prop up a Liberal government. And the thing is, is that twice now, twice in what? Four or five months? Five months? Yeah, I think it's five months. Twice in five months, Jagmeet Singh has propped up the most corrupt government in Canadian history for a promise.
0: Yeah, and five months ago when he propped the, the government up, I mean, you and I laughed about it on this show because he propped it up to, to get three more minutes or five more minutes or something in question period yeah. and we thought you you sold your soul for five minutes i mean that's brilliant yeah which which <laughs> by the way we we uh
1: we ended up he he ended up not really ever getting to use much of it anyway because they prorogued government yeah ex- exactly good point <laughs> yeah like he's he's just he's 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 a he's a joke. I mean, he is not and dare I say it, he's no Jack Layton. And and and, and I didn't even care for Jack Layton. I mean, I, I everybody goes on and on about how Jack Layton was this amazing leader and and how, you know, they they talk about him like he's some saint or or uh or like he's reached knighthood or something, but he always just came off as a used car salesman to
0: me. Yeah, I agree. Like Jack Layton, he he had a gift. I mean, he had charisma, but he had zero principles whatsoever. I mean, he would have sold his grandmother for for two votes. Like here was yeah. And I mean there was no question with that. Like Jack had no principles whatsoever. He had no problem plagiarizing people's lines and uh yeah, I uh, I admire Jack Layton in that he had a gift that he was able to connect to common people. But <clears throat> excuse me, but that's it. Like, yeah, he doesn't deserve the uh the accolades. He still gets to this day.
1: Yeah, I just to me, he always he always rubbed me the wrong way. Like his per like just the way he spoke and everything just came off as shady. Like. Like a like a shady used car salesman. That's I mean, is it, he even looked like a shady used car salesman. But um, I don't I don't know the, the people. But but the thing is, is that Jagmeet Singh isn't even isn't even J, uh, uh, Jack Layton. Like he's he's just he is he has failed on every front so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he has, and uh, I think that's actually very apt to uh, refer to Jack Layton as the used car salesman because that's actually that's a, the best description I think that one could give. I mean, and Jagmeet Singh can't even carry Jack Layton's lunch, like it's uh, yeah. He I means he's an he's, he's an embarrassment. I mean, it's, it he already brought the, the the seat total down from the last election for the NDP, and I think they're going to be. Fighting hard just to maintain party status after the next election.
1: Oh, absolutely, and honestly, the, the there is there is an NDP MLA or MP right now that if he ran for the leadership and won, the NDP would be a real threat. And I think you know who I'm talking
0: about. I think so, but he don't know that he's interested, is he? I don't know, but Charlie Angus. Yeah, I mean, he's, I actually like Charlie Angus. I mean, I'm not an NDP supporter by any means, but yeah, he, he actually, uh, he makes sense to me. He's, he is genuine. Like he comes off
1: genuine. Even if you don't agree with him, you can't, you can't say that the guy is two faced or, or slimy or anything. The guy is genuine when he talks and he, and he, and he really does care about ethics in, in politics. And, I I like the guy. Uh, I just and I think that if he was ever leader of the NDP, the NDP would be a a, a real threat to the Liberals.
0: Yeah, I think I could agree with that. And actually, I uh, I knew a fellow who lived in New Liskert, Ontario, which is in northern Ontario, it's part of Charlie Angus's riding. Who had lots of good things to say about him as far as an MP that he was very attentive. He would call people back. He was, you know, involved in the communities and such. So yeah. that's probably why he's so popular in his riding. Yeah. No, I
1: and like I said, he's he, all you have to do is watch him in uh, in committee and listen and listen to his line of questioning and what he says in committee, and and you got to go, wow, like this guy's good. Why? Why is he? Why has he never run? He's, he's like the, he, he's he's the NDP's answer
0: to Pierre Polyev. Yeah, that, that's actually a pretty good descriptor. Yeah. So. All right. So let's talk a little bit of election time. Yeah. So New Brunswick's gone through it. British Columbia is into it. And as of today, Saskatchewan has now joined the Provincial Election Club. Yeah. Uh, Premier- this morning, uh, made it official, so October 26th will be the uh, the next Saskatchewan election. Yeah, two days
1: after the BC election, and uh, which I fully expect to be an NDP landslide. Uh, they are, in the polls, they're ahead 51% uh, support to, I think, 33% support or 32%. Percent support for the uh, BC Liberals, so it's it's going to be an unless something drastic happens, it's it's going to be an NDP landslide.
0: Ouch! Yeah, that's uh, and you know that's actually similar numbers here in Saskatchewan. Um, the Saskatchewan Party, I think the last poll I saw was sixty-one percent support to somewhere hovering right around thirty-one or thirty-two for the NDP. So, uh, oh. Those numbers alone indicate a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah. I How does that... Because now
1: for our listeners who may not know, you are running in this election in Saskatchewan as a, a Saskatchewan progressive conservative.
0: That's correct, yeah. Uh, it's a rebuilding progressive conservative party. And it's it's going to be an interesting election. I don't think there's going to be anything... Drastic happening in my riding, Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, Fairview. So far, there's only three of us as candidates, that being the Saskatchewan Party, NDP, and myself. So, and the, there's an NDP incumbent who won in a by-election in 2017. So this is actually her first contested election, general election, and and um, we talked about her before. I've interviewed her for the show, and she's actually quite a nice lady. But yeah. Ryan right. Wiley is. Going to make life very difficult for his entire campaign or uh, candidate slate, and he's book smart. I mean, he's a medical doctor, so obviously he's got some brains. But uh, and bear with me, Canada and Lewis, because it's going to take me a few minutes to get through this preamble here. But uh, Ryan Wiley has absolutely no political savvy whatsoever. And what am I? Where am I going with this? They're writing to watch. In the Saskatchewan election is going to be in Regina. It is the riding of Regina Walsh Acres. It was uh, a vacated seat from uh, Warren Steinley, who is who made the jump to federal politics. So he is now a Conservative Party of Canada MP. So this seat was left vacant, and the NDP constituency association in Walsh Acres appointed or elected. Nominated, thank you. There we go. Uh, Sandra Warren to be their candidate. Now, she was actually an MLA for this riding in the past and was a cabinet minister in the Lauren Calvert NDP government, and then took a break from politics when she lost a seat in 2011. Decided to come back with the blessing of the Constituency Association. For reasons unknown to us and that will probably never be told, Ryan Miley refused to sign her nomination papers wouldn't tell anybody why, and the Constituency Association said, no, this is our candidate. We backed her. Ryan Wiley said no, appointed another lady to be the candidate, a lady who actually had backed Sandra Morin to be the candidate. So then the Constituency Association president protested. He fired said constituency president. So Sandra Morin decided she was going to run as an independent in Wallshakers the constituency association for the NDP had decided to back Sandra Morin's campaign so now you have an NDP candidate who was backing the person who's now you know, an independent who will not have the support of the riding association so she'll have some NDP votes but the riding association is now backing the independent and with no incumbent the Saskatchewan party is bringing a new candidate in and Progressive Conservative Party leader Ken Gray happens to be running in Wall Shakers. So, this is anybody's race. Holy cow. That was, that was, <laughs> all,
1: I, I was just sitting here, my head was spinning listening to you talk about that. Uh, isn't that something? Wow. It's, it, 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 when you were talking about it, I was thinking, man, like what happened here in my riding in BC. Was kind of messed up, but nothing like that.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Like this is who your grassroots of your party nominated to represent this riding, and if if he even could have said, "I reject her candidacy because," and give any kind of a decent reason, but instead of just saying no, so I mean, yeah, what a he's just a tool. I mean, he's, his, uh, Ryan Miley had a a presser this morning with before the writ was dropped. to come out and he immediately came out of the attack and it was just, uh, he said the words Scott Moe as much as anything else in his speech. And he's just, I think he, he just, he lacks charisma of any kind. Like I say, he's obviously book smart cause he is a medical doctor, but he's kind of come off as just saying, well, I'm a doctor, therefore you should be listening to me on how you handle the pandemic. And he said something, to, uh, he actually, you know, his exact words were, and Saskatchewan has the worst reopening plan in Canada when regards to schools. It's like, well, that's kind of hard to quantify. Uh, but I mean, he's just, uh, he's asking for an electoral drumming and unfortunately the Saskatchewan party, like they've done in the last two elections, are going to go after Ryan Miley hard because the last two elections, they've defeated the NDP leader in his own seat. And I think they're going to do everything they can to take that seat from Ryan Miley this time around. Wow.
1: That's, <laughs> I don't even have anything to say. <laughs> yeah, that, like, that, I, is uh, so, that is so crazy. I mean, it's, I'll tell you what happened in my riding with the NDP, sure. with the NDP here in BC. There were two people who put their names forward in, for the NDP to, uh, uh, to run in this election, in, in my riding. Uh, one being the mayor of my town, uh, and the other being a councillor in my town. Oh, And uh, so the mayor is a black woman, and the councillor is a white man. And John Horgan uh, ref- or just they just rejected uh, the councilor's application to be uh, the candidate, and uh, gave and just signed the mayor's uh, nomination papers because she uh, was act you know just acclaimed. The uh, the candidate because there was no no one to contest it. Oh, so you know why she got the nomination, and that was because she's a black woman, and it's an oh, yeah. it's an NDP policy, right? That if there is a minority, uh, a person of of minority uh, status, status or stature or whatever, um, that the party will pick them over a white man. And so they just flat out rejected his his application and just signed her and I and just claimed her to be uh you know, just acclaimed her the, the candidate. So it it was kind of messed up, but boy, what you were telling me made me go, oh this was nothing <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, that was really something. And actually, uh, when you mentioned that, he also made in his speech uh, a point of saying that there is a, of 61 candidates, because there's 61 seats here in the Saskatchewan legislature. So he said, uh, if there's 61 candidates, there's 28 women, and the uh, Saskatchewan party only has nominated 11 women. And he wants to make that a campaign issue. And while I was listening to uh, the radio and responses to that, a lot of women were phoning into the radio and just raked him over the coals about that. And I was really glad to hear women saying it because it's what you and I have been saying you know, all the time we've known each other is that just pick the best person for the job. And that's what these women were coming out and saying. Like one lady, I mean, she was my rock star of the day because she phoned in and she said, if I really wanted a woman to represent me that bad, I would have run myself. But since I'm not running, I just want the best person. And I was like, amen, sister, slow clap.
1: Oh, that's, that's great. I mean,
0: and it's true.
1: I mean, that's the thing that, that really irritated me with what happened here because I mean, the, the mayor of my town is for lack of a better, for lack of better words, she's completely useless. And her intelligence level is questionable. And her, uh, uh, but she's she's a a racial activist right and she's a she, and let's be real she's a race baiter and she did it in the last election uh you know basically saying that if she didn't get elected she, that people were racist
0: and oh, the um, disident, the naheed approach yeah
1: exactly the Nahid naheed approach um and it's and and so i mean she's just she's the most disorganized person i've ever seen in public office uh, and uh and she's she's generally not a nice person and uh so i she she would I, I would never vote for her even if she ran for the party i like i would not vote for her that's how much i dislike her and uh i mean the it's not like the counselor who's a white man, it's not like he was any better. I actually don't I I've tried everything I could to you know convince my friends not to vote for him in in the last municipal election because he, <laughs> he's he's fairly useless too. He's he's a neo Marxist and oh my god and does not want he he doesn't like business and private enterprise. So it's um yeah I mean these are the people that are running for the NDP.
0: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, really something else, isn't it? So uh, anyway, um, so, so sum up the election front. British Columbia votes October 24th. Two days later, Saskatchewan votes October 26th. And I suspect in shows going forward, you may hear a, a few slanted updates about the Saskatchewan election. Because as Lewis reminded our listeners, uh, yours truly is running in Saskatoon Fairview with the Progressive Conservatives. And... It's been good so far. I'm actually very happy. I've been out door knocking for about three weeks now, maybe even a month, and getting fairly good responses at the doors. I'm not saying a heck of a lot, but I, uh, I want to share this with our listeners just because it's, it's amusing, but it's also very typical. And I'm not sure if I told you this before, Lewis, or not just, just our private conversations, but I knocked on this guy's door and he was uh, an immigrant from Kenya. And when I introduced myself as being with the Conservative Party, his first reaction, he said, Well, I've I've heard that conservatives, you know, aren't really that friendly toward people who aren't from Canada. And I've I had to look at it and said, Well, I'm not sure where you've heard that. And then we just started talking, and I talked about the egalitarian nature of myself, not even just us, of conservatives in general. And within about five minutes of us of us talking, he was my best friend and he wanted me to meet his wife and he was calling his neighbors over to come talk to me. And he's like, I'm going to go tell all my friends about you. We need to get you elected. I (laughs) I thought that was, I thought that was great. Yeah. (laughs) That
1: is great. I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that what people have to understand is that conservatives, conservatives just want a meritocracy. Yeah. You know, we just, we just want people to succeed based on their own merits. And and to be judged on their own merits. You know, it's... it's None of this identity politics bull bull crap. <laughs> that was close. Um, yeah. It, it's it just... Um, and, and for those who don't know what a meritocracy is, it's just people are judged and succeed based on their own merits. And and that's all we want.
0: Yeah, and I said to him, I said, all I care is that you bring something positive to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about the melanin component of anyone's skin. I don't care which God they choose to to pray to, or, you know, if they even have one, um, I don't care who they, they want to marry or have relations with it. I just care that you bring something positive and build a society together. Exactly. And, and I mean, that's, that's just the,
1: I think that's what most people want. It's just people are brainwashed into thinking that one party is, or that 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 parties on the right are not like that, and it's it's just it's so wrong. It's very very wrong because that's not what the parties
0: on the right are like. Exactly. Now speaking of wrong, Catherine McKenna okay. in in nineteen ninety five was videoed in Indonesia and. You know where I'm going with this one. Uh Miss McKenna was, uh, yes, she was in her mid-20s, but she was in Indonesia and went to an illegal cockfight, paid off the police to look the other way at said illegal cockfight, and she had a rather disgusting delicacy. Yeah. She decided
1: to eat dog meat
0: yeah and I don't care if it's legal over there or at least not frowned upon that's just gross i mean when you especially when you grew up in Canada being by our own standards it's just morally
1: wrong yeah i do- i don't i don't know where this video was for the last five years but um i just i i <sighs> She, first of all, I got to say, she does not strike me as the kind of person who would do either of those things, but she did. And I, I've never been a fan of hers and I, I've, and like, you know, I, I question her intelligence level and this makes me question it even more.
0: Oh yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I've never been a fan of hers either and if there's any people on the left listening to the show, don't even start to say that we can't judge her by what she did 25 years ago because all you folks on the left are tearing down statues of John A. McDonald right now, based on what he did 150 years ago. So yes, I am holding her to account completely for, I mean, if eating dog wasn't illegal, it's disgusting. It's gross. I don't know what dog tastes like. I don't ever want to know but she broke the law by going to the cockfight she broke the law by paying off a cop and those are things when you're in your 20s you damn well know better and so i have no problem whatsoever making certain people are aware of her actions in 1995 no problem at all no nope. and i mean like like you said you
1: know any any liberals or left wingers that are listening to this getting mad You are hypocrites because you do the, you do this to conservatives
0: all the time. Exactly. Yep. So, uh, how's your medicine taste? Yeah. So, uh, anyway, i we've got about five minutes to go. So why don't we jump on to, um, do you want to do the the COVID or do you want to talk about the committees in parliament? Uh, let's talk Committees. All right. That's actually a good one. Committees now with the new parliament are restarting. And for some reason, Justin is trying everything he can to delay the restart of the Finance Committee and the Operations Committee. Do you wonder why that would be? Uh, oh, man. Could it be because they're investigating him?
1: Because they're investigating the WE scandal. Of course. Yeah. Which, by the way, the WE charity still has not produced those documents that they said they would
0: i am Um, absolutely stunned to hear that oh wait no i'm not I'm oh you had me
1: going there (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah no there yeah the weed charity still has not produced the documents that were requested and i was actually heard our favorite ndp or charlie angus talking about how when he uh, they they dove through all those 5000 pages of documents and that were given over by the uh prime minister's office after they blacked out like hundreds of the pages and uh like completely blacked out uh they look like cell phones with the screens off and uh, oh, yeah. and the uh and he said that they you know they were able to piece together a timeline of uh, Bartish Chagger and the Kielbergers talking about this way earlier than they said they they had, uh, and that the Kielbergers, the wee Charity, used photos of Sophie Gregoire Trudeau and uh, Justin Trudeau's mother, Margaret Trudeau, in their pitch to the government to ha- to 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 pick them as the uh, organization that would uh, run that program,
0: yeah, and I think it also came out that Barti Schagger wa- had discussions with one of the brothers. I can't remember which one before this even started, so that we could design their pitch to fit exactly what it was that the government was looking for so that there would be no need to try to outsource this to anybody else because we would have the absolute perfect presentation for them. Yeah. And that, (laughs) the thing was, is that
1: the we charity was the ones they were the ones who designed the program so that they could be the only ones who could be chosen because they were, they were, they made it so that when they, uh, set the, when the government set the parameters for what needed to be done, or what the 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 organization had to have in place uh, to be able to pull off running this program, that the only one that could possibly fit it would be the We Charity, and so and so the We Charity was in discussions with Bartish Chagger when they were developing the program, so that they could make sure that the requirements. Set out in the in the program would would fit We Charity to a T and no one else. And
0: that's
1: right. I am uh, hearing that now. Yeah, yeah, but it, just the fact that the We Charity used photos of of Justin Trudeau's immediate family in their pitch is like jaw dropping.
0: I. <laughs> I don't even know what to oh, say anymore about this. Oh, totally. is. And when the committees were still going before Parliament was prorogued, Pierre Polyev was questioning Bartish Chagger about that. And she lied. And she had said to him that, you know, they weren't discussing the uh, Canada summer jobs for whatever the, for the, whatever the student program was to be called anyway, said, Oh, that wasn't what we were discussing during that meeting. And then she said she was, really, you know, not interested. And then the next question he asked her is if she took any notes. And she said, oh, since I took some notes to to have us follow up on this phone call. So then Pierre Paglias said, well, if you weren't interested in what they had to say, then why would you take notes to, to make sure you follow it up? And of course she had no answer because he caught her, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and sadly this one isn't over as long as the finance committee can get back up and running. And it looks like they're going to. Uh, this scandal is just going to get worse because the Kielburgers aren't going away. And as a matter of fact, this is something you might not know, Canada, is that the Kielbergers, you'll know that they resigned as volunteers from the Wii Charity. And make certain that you catch the wording. They resigned as volunteers and they're staying on to develop, listen to this part, to start the new charity, yeah. quote unquote. I don't know what that means, but. To me, it says the burgers are here to stay. Uh, That's what it sounds like to me, too. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well,
1: I think we've come to the end of our show this week.
0: We have. We've done it again. We've uh, dropped you on a sour note, Canada. But this time I want to leave you there because you should be mad because this government is going to keep sticking it to us until we tell them they can't anymore. Yeah. That's right.
1: Okay, well, from uh, British Columbia, it is Lewis
0: saying good night. And, from, and good night from Saskatoon.
1: This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.